I'm Christine Russo, and you're listening to What Just Happened on MarketScale. Today, we welcome Gabby Coos, CEO of Global Digital Asset and Cryptocurrency Association. Hi, Gabby. Welcome to What Just Happened. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to kind of chat a little bit and share about what exactly did just happen. (laughs) That is true. And we're very eager to hear. and, And as we connect to anything having to do with the consumer, consumer safety is top of mind. You going through the core principles of the association. We just actually did our impact report. These are around national security. They're around global positioning, economic growth, and social outcomes. I do want to preface, this is a self-regulation. So let's get right into consumer protection in the crypto space and what you've been up to in the association. I always like to define self-regulation out first because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings or misinformation about what exactly it is and what it isn't. So we're voluntary self-regulatory association, and we work in partnership with legislators and regulators almost as a public-private partnership to try to advance high-quality products and services and balance the need for innovation with the needs for consumer protection and market integrity. It's just about working together in a P3. Okay, well, I think that I mean, let's get right into it. I think that people want, they appreciate self-regulation, but they also want regulation regulation. Where do you stand on that? Oh, yes, for sure. So, you know, with self-regulation, it's not in place of or as a substitute for. It's a complement to that. Neither the industry or regulators or government are really able to do this on their own right now. And we can try to wait for 10 or 15 years until people (laughs) build capacity, laws change, institutions are fully formed. Or we can recognize that there's really a need today to start to take action. What it is that we're trying to do is advance almost a degree of industry stewardship. So sometimes you hear people talk about, you know, you want the right to self-regulate. It's not a right. It's a responsibility. It's an industry's job if it is advancing and innovating to try to care for from even maybe an ESG perspective or a corporate social responsibility perspective, helping to keep out bad actors and helping to amplify and elevate high quality products, firms, services, so on and so forth. How does um, remediation work? So we've got this self-regulation body. Maybe we can touch on that a little bit at some point. But if they see something, you know, see something, say something. How does that work? These are still sort of emerging and evolving systems. Um If you do see something and say something, then we have connections to law enforcement. We have connections to regulators that we can bubble that up. And I think as well, it's about advising the community around good practices, because especially you have young founders, you have people who are trying to do the right thing many times, but actually don't understand the implications of some of the actions they're taking. It's about educating people. It's about helping them understand how to build safely the first time. So just as an example of that, We have our forthcoming core principles steering committee. We're focusing on bringing forward CPs that will help to at least create some guidelines for firms that are looking to build here. They include things like governance, enterprise risk management, internal controls. You're looking at proper bookkeeping, liquidity levels, segregation of funds, and independent audit. So 
really trying to get people around this concept of how we can build appropriately and protect consumers and the industry, as well as helping to advance what we'd like to see, which is more innovation that hopefully has better economic, financial sector and social outcomes. So the steering committee, does it include anyone in the government as a private citizen, as a governmental representative, or does it have outsiders like consumer consumer representation? We have people who are former regulatory representatives. So from the CFTC, from the SEC, from the U.S. Treasury. And the idea behind that is that it kind of removes some of the potential for politicization, but it does allow us to gender understanding about what the extent of desire to define out regulatory parameters and scope would be on behalf of these regulators. And in addition to that, you have representatives from industry. So you have people who have been trying to build right, who are stepping forward, getting their industry expertise and knowledge. And then we now have just finished that first draft of the core principles. Like I said, the steering committee was launched and then the next phase was obviously a draft one. We're going into a validation and evaluation stage. So there's like a second tier level of review. So almost like an internal peer review. And then from there, we're going to socialize that with our advisory board, which includes global representation and their perspectives on this, as well as with our board, our public policy and regulation committee, and then hold probably about two, maybe three public policy roundtables to get input and perspective so that it is beyond just a few set members. And again, we do rep 80 member firms, small, medium, and large across all verticals in the industry. But I think when you're talking about trying to create a sense of ownership, commitment to, and then further adoption and implementation of a set of core principles, you need to kind of bring people around the table, give them voice, and make sure that they're reflecting the economic and financial sector realities that they will be implemented and practice in. How has the FTX situation made this more of an urgent priority, or is it just steady as you go, keep moving and not be distracted by various blowups along the way. It's almost like on a daily basis, I almost recalibrate what our timelines are, what our priorities are, and try to steer us through so that we are not only responding to things, but we have proactive objectives. And so from our side, the actions of you know FTX collapse, some of the challenges that we've seen perhaps more recently with potential bankruptcies, with Genesis and others, in this space, I think the one thing that it has done is put like the pedal to the metal in terms of accelerating. Usually I would build out with key phases of, you know, governance institution building sequenced. And what I've had to do is run some of these simultaneously based on the fact that I'm trying to reflect and respond to market, industry, economic conditions, while at the same time ensuring that we have like a consistent messaging, a high quality product that we'll be able to deliver on. The main impact that you're seeing is the acceleration, the drive to really pull everybody who is a good actor to the table as soon as possible in order to kind of ensure that you don't have something like this happen again. Because, yeah, they'll go into bankruptcy and there will be you know court proceedings that will occur in order to try to resolve some of the challenges. But in the meantime, you have real people who've been hurt by this. And so that's not OK. And the reality is that in order to mitigate or minimize the incidence of that, you really need to have all industry actors 
who hold themselves to a higher standard coming together to try to influence, shape, and almost in some ways positively peer pressure each other to behave. Mm. I mean, when that happened, you know, your community, the community of members that you have or potential members were quite vocal about the damage it does to the cryptocurrency and digital asset community. Uh, and it's a black mark and to their own financial standing, because a lot of them kind of cross pollinated with each other with investments and, and such. And there was a huge call for regulation, which is totally ironic because their whole premise is not wanting to be regulated. So I I was like, what are we doing here, people? Which one is it? Is it decentralized? Is it centralized? Is it just flavor of the day? So I would guess that, I mean, I would guess that there's a huge sense of urgency for this because that's what was coming across in the media. But, you know, that was in a direct reaction to it, you know, right, right after. Does that same level of intensity and prioritization exist today as far as you can tell? I think it's a good question. So just to kind of double back, you know, I think sometimes there are certain voices that get amplified larger than others. But you know, broadly speaking, groups that represent the industry as a whole represent and always have represented a voice for regulation. So from our side, that's not anything new. All of our members who joined at the beginning have been saying it from the start that there needs to be clarity and that there needs to be balance and that there needs to be some sort of guidelines for operating because otherwise this is what happens. You have firms that go offshore you have the firms that, you know, generally disregard what you would seem to see as sort of industry good practice. In terms of like what we're seeing, we haven't seen any downturn or diminishing interest in ensuring that there is appropriate legal and regulatory frameworks that help to at least etch out a direction and positive path for growth for the industry. So I would say if anything, you know, we've seen it ramp up because of a lot of this, and it seems to stay pretty steady. So one of the one of the shocking things that came out of the FTX collapse was how could there be such prominent companies investing in a company that had no infrastructure or lacking in protocol, et cetera, and so on. So, you know, a, a lot of shaking of heads throughout multiple industries here. And since you're working on this, these, well, you have core principles, but then you're working on sort of these guidelines, guide rails. Do you see that output as a tool for companies to say, okay, well, I'm thinking of investing in this company. I'm going to lay over these rules, call them, or standards, standards, I think is a good word, measure them against the standards that you guys publish, which is created by the industry for the industry. And then that could flag an investment and say, hmm, actually, some of these boxes aren't checked. Is that how you see part of what you're producing being used? The idea is that exactly to what you're saying is that it will get lifted, leveraged. It can help to facilitate decision-making around quality versus non-quality. And it can also help people in allocating capital, just like you've said. From our side, just as the industry is kind of evolving, you're seeing these like reg tech solutions or 
certifications or standards being bubbled up and brought forward. And so one thing that we've been doing is working with, for example, the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium or C4 and their emerging CCSS standard for cryptocurrency custody security, working with firms like DeFi Safety that rate and rank protocols and security and functionality, especially in the DeFi space, cooperating with groups like Digital Asset Research, which have a methodology to evaluate and vet exchanges, and also firms like Perform, which does operational due diligence. There's a lot of different due diligence providers, but you have to go with those that legitimately understand how to do due diligence for crypto, because there are unique aspects of this from governance to internal controls. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons, at least from our side, that we take an ecosystem's view and why not only do we include direct digital asset firms, but also peripheral firms is because when an industry is developing, and in this case in particular, you're not just seeing like a new asset class, you're actually seeing a bit of like an economic or financial sector transformation. And if that's going to be done safely and from a standpoint of responsible growth, then these peripheral industries that exist, so that is accounting, that is legal, that is insurance, that is any types of surveillance mechanisms, those have to evolve as well because those are tools, third-party provided in many cases, that regulators, legislators, the general public, investors rely on in order to make decisions. You could have the best digital asset direct industry firms, but if there's no way of telling quality, if there's no way of ensuring the legality of some of the activity, if there is no way of providing sort of an independent opinion of the financial health of those firms, then that's where you're going to have difficulty when it comes to consumer investor protection and market integrity. We talk about what it means to self-regulate. There's the old school definition of I inspect you and give a stamp. And then there's the nuanced view, just like we see with regular corporate entities. It's a stakeholder model. Who all is in the orb from a systems view perspective that needs to be brought to the table that could be impacted, even if they're not investing directly? They may be a user. They may be a secondary impact user or service provider. And so all of these people need to be brought into the fold because that's how we look at industry development, like from a modern philosophy around building. So one of the things that finance CEO said in the wake of all of that fallout was we can't get a company to audit us. We can't get one of the big accounting firms to audit us. They don't want to touch it. And there was a lot of debate on that after the fact, which was like, really? What? So you really touch on something that is very important and yet questionable, like it is new. What you're describing as far as like accounting and insurance is old. So it's like, well, how does the old work with the new? And I don't think anyone's figured that out yet to a de to a degree that is standard. And like it or not, like when you reach the point of like standardization, that's when I think there's like an exhale that like, okay, we're there. In the meanwhile, it's like bump along and figure it out. And and with with you guys, you're you're helping on that journey. Back in the day, there was that good housekeeping stamp of approval, this unofficial kind of blessing. Is that something you are striving for where it's like, this has our stamp of approval? It's still very early in the process. We do our annual member wellness checks, which give us insight into how people are performing, growing, developing. One of the key 
questions that will be asked this year is in a market downturn where you've had to lay off significant numbers of staff, how are you ensuring that you're able to keep the same level of quality and the same level of expertise that's necessary or some minimum level of that in order to ensure that you're able to undertake these core functions that we know are important to consumer protection. Ultimately, in terms of the long-term, what you've spoken about exactly. And we're at the beginning parts of that. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with us. It's definitely a space we're watching as it relates to the consumer and retail and Web3. That's all built on these, on cryptocurrency, digital assets. So we want to keep our eye on what's happening there and know that guardrails and regulation, self or otherwise, are being incorporated into the that industry as it develops. I'll just leave you like with one really quick last thought. If your end goal is to have products and services that are made for everyone and raise everyone up, then you have to begin with a framework that has that intentionally built in. And that allows firms that are more diverse, better, more resilient, more globally competitive to thrive. And then ultimately consumers, the general public, the economy and society win. We deal with a lot of structural inequity, structural racism, structural misogyny. All of that has one common line and it's structure. So it's very important at the beginning when you're setting the legal and regulatory structure and framework that will guide this. That's incredible. And I really do think it's important to reiterate that because Web3 and DeFi and crypto is built, is its intention is democratic. So how are you going to get there if you don't start that way? Exactly. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.